Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier, and I'm here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic, my friend. We are going to get down and dirty with some conversation today around diabetes, blood sugar-related issues, heart disease, and some pretty heavy um, talking points and material in terms of you know, overall health for us individually, but, you know, as a country and as a world as well. So Mm -hmm. we want to be encouraging on the front end. I'm going to say it now that if you're new to the podcast, um, today's conversation might start out feeling a little bleak, but we have some really great encouragement and action steps that you can do. So if you're new, listen through, we're going to give you some things you can put into your day-to-day life to starting today that can Mm -hmm. help kind of uncover why we believe that fasting for life, the insulin-friendly lifestyle, and using fasting as a tool to lose the weight, regain your health, and keep that for the rest of your life. So, Tommy, that's quite the intro there, sir. Um, I'm really excited about the conversation today. Yeah, so am I, because um, this really kind of came from a point of you know, what, what tools do we have as individuals to kind of swim upstream when we need to and kind of, um, you know, go against what, what we see as as far as the, the larger overall trends that are happening that, that seem to just be getting worse and worse and worse by the year and by the decade. Well, how how do we, how do we, um, you know, solve those problems and how, how do we as individuals kind of like, you know, get outside of that, that, that moving target that seems to be coming for, for the majority of us. Yeah, and where the perspective is coming from is our own journey. But then, you know, with your um, uh, medical background, you know, with my clinical background, with our own personal experiences, how do we, how do we distill it down, or how do we kind of peel the layers back on why it was a problem and why why we feel that it's so important to get this message out there. And the initial um, kind of like, wait a minute, I think we can probably build out a really important conversation around an article that I had seen in the Business Insider. Mm-hmm. And it was about diabetic um, diabetes prices of insulin and people having to decide whether or not they're going to buy groceries or buy and pay for their insulin medication. Yeah. And this hit home close to close to home for me as my dad is no longer a diabetic. He's lost over 60 pounds and you know complete come off more than a dozen medications off all of his insulin and this all happened within 3 to 6 months of adopting this lifestyle. Yeah. And you know completely transformed his life. And I asked my my mom, I was like, "Hey, so what were you guys paying for insulin?" He was on two different forms of insulin. 
and one of them was, you know, a short acting one was a long acting. He had the pens, but Mm -hmm. you know, they had health insurance. Um, Both retired, both have health insurance, good health coverage. And they were still having to pay $800 out of pocket for the gap for just the the gap between what was covered and what was uncovered. And I saw my dad and he was tired all the time. He was carrying a ton of extra weight Mm -hmm. and he was pretty unhappy with the treatment that he was getting on, you know, on 15 plus medications, you know, seeing multiple specialists and really getting nowhere. So when I saw this article and I sent it over to you, Tommy, I was like, this is frightening because this is a reality for people, especially recently when the costs have escalated. Yeah, that's a really tough spot to be in because, you know, I mean, so they're on a fixed income retired, right? But but seeing this gap that they have to to kind of fill, but we know diabetes and, and other related uh, ailments only strike worse on, on lower socioeconomic status. So as, as our income goes down and our resources go down, we tend to have more of these costs, not less. And so this is already a burden. Um, even if you're financially well off, this can be a, a huge burden. And then, and then you're, you're having to make some, some really tough decisions, like you said. Yeah. So just to, to put some numbers out there and which really started the thought process on this conversation that we want to build out today um, was really just discussing the, the numbers, right? The numeric numbers actually of what it costs. And there was a story in the article about once someone who was a type one diabetic and should mention that the, the vial cost of insulin at one point was $25 mm-hmm. and now it can cost up to $600 and without health insurance supplies to treat can be anywhere between 12 to $1,800 a month. And I was absolutely floored by that. So I pulled up, um, you know, you and I had talked about finding some numbers of like what it is right now, because the prices have been increasing. So mm-hmm. I want to share those and then uh, move into the conversation, you know, mentioning things like other options that you guys have and why this is so important. So there was a, a photo, Tommy, in one of the natural diabetes groups that I'm a part of mm. on Facebook, because I'm in all these different groups and fasting groups and intermittent fasting for men and, you know, just trying to learn and aggregate as much information as possible so we can continue to reach more people yeah. and get the message out that you guys have a choice when it comes to your health and that following the status quo might not be the best option. So I'll quote two things here and then share a couple numbers and we can start to unpack it. So this was from a post from one of the people that run the group that one of these natural diabetes groups that I'm a part of. Um, and they mentioned a book by Dr. Joseph Kraft called diabetes epidemic in you. Mm-hmm. And he, he, this is, this, this guy is, um, been in practice uh, a long time. And where he got his information from was not just anecdotally, you know, treating the patients over the years. Mm. It was from um, looking at over 14,000 glucose tolerance tests and insulin assays or fasting insulin and looking at these patients and coming up with an idea, uh, a process of how to identify blood sugar related issues earlier. And I'm going to connect the dots here. So in, in, in the book, he says, normal fasting, blood sugar, normal weight, and normal cholesterol does not exclude you from being a type two diabetic. You would mm. be one of the millions of undiagnosed people in the country. And 
the person in this group mentioned saying that heart disease and diabetes type two simply exist together. Although mm. one may or may not be diagnosed at that given time. So I mm. want to make sure that we unpack that and land the plane with what test should you start with? If you're looking to get some blood work done, that is not the standard operating procedure, you know, like fasting glucose and those, those types of things. But the realization that this problem is there and you don't even know if the problem is there. So how in the heck can you know what to do about it? Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that, that can be tough to, to like, just, just look at the situation and know there's a real issue. If nothing's come up like obvious on your blood work or your doctor hasn't told you, yeah, there's obviously a problem, right? Yeah. And you still don't feel right. You're carrying a little bit of extra weight. You're you're still having cravings. You're struggling with your relationship with food. We'll talk Mm -hmm. about what your options are. Um, You know, you might feel hangry if you miss a meal. Um, You you know, you tired in the afternoon or after you eat. Weird Um, tingling sensation, right? Yep. Yep. Blood sugar issues, all of these Mm -hmm. different symptoms that can pop up when um, blood sugar related symptoms, excuse me, but yeah, but your numbers might be normal. And just to mention the cost that really kind of hit me in the face, it was the average list price of insulin has increased 11% annually from 2001 to 2018. Wow. And the, because the patient's out-of-pocket costs are typically based on list price, the patient's expenses have risen substantially despite the decrease in net price for many of the most commonly used insulin products. So we're talking yeah. about... $121 billion a year in total spending or almost $12,500 per patient just for insulin. That's not for the metformins and all the other different types of medications that are typically used. Insulin is brought into the equation later in the picture after the other medications don't work or you can't make the lifestyle changes to reverse it naturally. Wow. But these trends are increasing dramatically where um, the really the the take home message here is okay. Well, what do you do about it? How do you know if it's there? And then breaking that that cognitive dissonance, right, Tommy? Yeah, the cognitive dissonance is is big because we've been um, we've been kind of on a on a path like uh, a medical path as as a country and as a world to kind of you know get a grip on these things and and try to slow down the trends that have been taking over for decades, and they they only seem to be accelerating. As we as we kind of throw more tools um, at them, trying to trying to figure this out, but the cognitive dissonance comes in when when you know the the evidence is now starting to show, just like you alluded to with with Dr. Kraft, that there's something going on underneath the surface that's not being addressed early on, but it, it's it's being missed because it, it just doesn't have clear labels sometimes, and sometimes it's it's kind of these fleeting things that. A, a variability within the insulin response that's happening, but not necessarily uh, numbers looking bad on normal blood work. So what kind of blood work, you know, it could be could be used to get at an earlier, um, you know, an earlier indicator that something's going on. Hey, y'all wanted to take a second and tell you just an incredible story about an amazing company that we've come across recently. Um, And now they are a sponsor of our show. It's airdoctorpro.com. You can head to the website, use a promo code uh, fasting for life to receive up to $300 off. But most importantly, uh, my little guy, my two-year-old has not slept consistently through the night uh, since he was born. We have tried everything you can imagine. He is our third child. 
And we're just like, what is happening? So we have gone to great lengths, time, money, and effort to figure out um, how we can help him sleep. And uh, the reality is uh, we were pretty much just resigned to the fact that this is how it's going to be until we put the Air Doctor Pro in his room. And I am not joking when I tell you the first night that we put it in his room, he slept through the night. The second night, slept through the night. Now we're up to 35 plus days that he has slept through the night. He has only woken up two times, rather than two, three times a night, two times in the last 35 days and counting. And we are just so incredibly grateful. The reality is uh, we had a feeling that it was something that we were missing. And the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air these days. In some cases, up to 100 times more. We spend 90% of our time indoors. And we take 20,000 breaths a day. So what's the solution? An air purifier, a cut above the rest. I'm not going to lie. We have tried others. We've tried other HEPA filters. We've tried other air filters. We have spent the money and they have not done the results that Air Doctor did in literally the first day that we put it in his room. They filter out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants. That includes pollutants such as allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, mold spores, and even bacteria and viruses. So I don't know what it was that was keeping them up. But it is now gone. So Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe easy money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com. Use promo code FASTING for life to receive up to $300 off air purifiers. An exclusive listener um, offer for you as well. You'll receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. That's exclusive to you, the podcast listener, now hearing this in real time. Lock this special offer by going to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code fasting for life. You guys know that we are very particular with who we partner with. And if it wasn't for this incredible company and this, the incredible results that we've seen, I would not be encouraging you to head to the website and take advantage of the fasting for life promo code. So if you support our sponsors, you are ultimately supporting us. We are grateful for you listening in. And now back to today's episode. Yeah, and that was one of the big realizations for me personally, even being in healthcare, um, you know, doing my testing and my fasting blood sugars are normal. And I still had a lot of the pre-diabetes uh, indicators waking mm -hmm. up at, you know, two to three o'clock in the morning, uh, most nights feeling tired, having some, uh, you know, I don't want to say adrenal fatigue, but like, like wired and tired, anxious feelings, all yeah. of the stuff I already mentioned, you know, about the different symptomatologies that can happen, um, the cravings, et cetera. I always craved, you know, mm -hmm. the, the salty, savory foods at night, yeah. those types of things. And what I love about Dr. Kraft's, you know, mantra is, you know, far too many people are told, don't worry, your fasting blood sugars are normal. But the earliest diagnosis of prediabetes and why, again, is this important? Because this is directly related to cardiovascular disease, which is the number one leading cause of death in the world, mm. right? So it's not just the blood sugar. It's long-term health metrics. It's heart health. It's long-term lifestyle type health-related issues. Um, and the earliest diagnosis of prediabetes is hyperinsulin. So insulin that is raised, but it's still showing. So an insulin assay or an insulin test that is normal with, um, excuse me, uh, hyperinsulin that is raised with normal glucose tolerance or mm -hmm. glucose tolerance test, not even just your basic fasting glucose, but a glucose tolerance test. 
one that is done in 30 minute increments where you're in the lab for multiple hours going through Mm -hmm. a longer, more specific type test. And even with that, that can come back normal and your insulin can still be high. Yeah, because the body is really sensitive at, at, at sensing our blood sugar levels and it's going gonna, it's gonna to do a lot. It can dump out a lot of insulin to keep those blood sugar numbers within a tight, normal range. So even when the blood sugar numbers are, are seeming to track okay, insulin response could be through the roof at that point. And that's one of those early signs that, that a lot of times isn't being you know, discovered very early um, because it's, it's not just a commonly ordered test, right? Yeah. And one of the things too, is that, um, you know, we, people, a lot of people come to fasting for specifically for weight loss, right? Mm -hmm. Because we, everyone out there, especially in today's world, you can get on Dr. Google or the Google machine, or I prefer to use DuckDuckGo, but you get on there and you search. um, And pretty much everyone at this point knows that carrying extra weight can result in unhealthy metrics later on down the line, right? So right, it can right. have it's an adverse good. of, yeah, it's not good long term, right? And um, one of the things that most people come to fasting for is for the weight loss piece, right? And that mm-hmm. is absolutely, uh, I, I don't like when it is like the next diet fad or the next whatever right. fad. And, and that's why we talk a lot about building that healthy relationship with food long term, being able to um, allow the the hormones and the crate that control the cravings to balance out and never mind the additional benefits that come with fasting that are non-weight loss related. Mm-hmm. But looking at this from the perspective of what are the options out there, right? So we've talked a lot about insulin and blood sugar medications and the standard operating procedure. And maybe you, you don't even know what an insulin, a fasted insulin test or an insulin assay is. It's literally just an insulin test uh, in, in a fasted state where they measure the amount of insulin that's in your body. Mm-hmm. And that is a great place to start, but what are the other options? So one of the options out there is uh, bariatric surgery. And at one point, you know, there was a board of 45 medical professionals and different, um, groups that came together and said that, you know, one of the first treatments for advanced diabetes should be, uh, you know, stomach uh, gastric bypass surgeries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's, I I've personally known a lot of people to go through that process and it, it's one that can have, you know, immediate benefits and sometimes life-saving benefits as well. But, you know, my, one of my issues that I've seen come up through bariatric surgery is, is retaining those old habits that that got you into that position where you needed to have the bariatric surgery because you can see immediate um, effects and basically it's it's hard to consume as many calories um, usually you can't you can't you know intake that much uh, food volume so it tends to be naturally calorically restricting and it tends to lead to rapid weight loss and and sometimes that can be sustained but um, oftentimes it, it's not especially when looking five to ten years down the road but Sometimes that that is because the relationship with food and the old habits still remains, even if you can't physically ingest the same number of calories. So there, there definitely is some work that needs to be done to go along with that bariatric surgery to keep those, those results and have them be long-term sustainable. And we've had a lot of conversations with people, some, some back in the day when we were doing some one-on-one coaching now in our groups. And we get questions, hey, I had bariatric surgery, I lost 150 pounds, I put on 75 Mm -hmm. of it again, and it keeps going up, what do I do? 
Well, you know, you know, Dr. Fung says the techniques for managing diabetes and he's a, you know, a, uh, a nephrologist, right? So right. he was dealing yeah. with people in advanced stages, kidney failure, et cetera, mm-hmm. you know, managing diabetes, they're expensive, which we talked about, they're invasive, which we just mentioned, right. And they do nothing to actually reverse the problem. So there's this disconnect that, well, I'm fine, but I don't feel fine. Right. And then it's the, okay, well now I finally have the symptom. Okay. Well now what do I do about it? Well, here's your options. You can try to lose some weight, right? You can eat the American Diabetes Association recommended food guidelines, which I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, You can, you know, go on metformin because that's going to help. And then eventually, you know, those, the numbers increases, the medications increase, your numbers, your A1Cs don't stay where they should. They slowly increase over time. If you do have a gastric bypass surgery, you're literally like, Um, not allowing, especially there's that treatment out there called the thin sleeve or the thin tube Mm -hmm. where it causes the body to eject food before the calories can be absorbed. So you're literally like starving your body, like medically sanctioned bulimia, like you're not giving your body the opportunity to, to get the nutrients that it needs. And then you end up talking, having to, you know, get to the point of managing. And that's why I love the thought that started this whole conversation from that article. Do you buy food or do you buy your insulin? Yeah. Well, in the short term, my recommendation would be don't buy the food and fast, right? And mm-hmm. then use the insulin as needed. But as your numbers start to come down, guess what? You won't need either. Yeah. And people don't see the forest through the trees because they don't know that the option's out there. And that's why we love mm-hmm. fasting, specifically some of those longer fasts to help see those numbers drop dramatically. And I know we have some stats on that too. Yeah, we do. And um, there's some really cool things that start to happen as we as we get into, you know, the 24 and the 48 hour fast. But, um, you know, when when we actually look at fasting insulin levels, um, there's there's some good studies out there that show that fasting insulin drops up to 70 percent of the way down to its lowest possible levels once we hit a 72 hour fast. And so that's that's a really cool thing, because um there's, there's some powerful rebalancing uh, going on and some healing taking place within the body. Now, um, when, when, we, when we do that, it's not always easy to just jump right in and just jump into a 72-hour fast. But um, we have some, some resources to help you kind of get the process started. And so, you know, setting your sights on a 72-hour fast, um, that's going to be a free tool right there. And um, that's going to save some money on, on several meals um, and, and might save a little bit of money on, on insulin as well. Yeah. One of the, so I want to get into the 72 hour fast a little bit more, but what you just said there is up to the 72 hour mark, your insulin will drop up to 70%. So the mm-hmm. problem with when we mentioned cognitive dissonance earlier, and this is something Dr. Fung talks about too, is, is that the system is set up for, to treat it a certain way. And the, the, a lot of the docs that aren't, that don't specialize in this kind of stuff. And we're still learning in, in the new, the new research, when it comes out, we try to digest it and, mm-hmm. um, and kind of live somewhere in between of not just being, you know, stuck on, on one extreme or the other, but okay, how do we apply this stuff? Right. But one of the things that we hear a lot, and I want to highlight someone in our group that's recently done a 72 hour fast. And I believe it was her first and or longest, mm-hmm. but what the blood sugar numbers actually did. And, she finally found a provider that is willing to help her manage the medication side of things and come yeah. off of those high price meds. But being a provider with the tools that you have, I can't imagine being a, a medical provider in today's system 
you know, prescribing the actual cause of the problem. The problem right. is the insulin, yeah, right, and the overconsumption. And you know, we can get into the whole, um, you know, how did I get to a hundred pounds overweight? Right? There's, sure. there's yeah. other things, factors in there as well. Right. But at some point, if the patient isn't changing, the individual is not changing, or know how to change, or even know that it's possible to change, mm -hmm. then you're prescribing the actual thing that's causing the the issue that started right. the issue decades prior, and right. that dissonance there must be just really hard to work through. Yeah. 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 So the set, the, the cool thing in the group was, um, this woman had, had done the 72 hour fast, um, with, with the continuity group. And she, she posted a picture of her numbers and they dropped below the pre-diabetic range mm -hmm. for molt, almost like an entire day and a half. Yeah. So just think about maybe, you're not ready for a 72 hour fast and you've downloaded the fast start guide and you've done some OMADs one meal a day. If you're new, OMAD means one meal a day, mm -hmm. or maybe you're on IF and you're just starting with an eight hour eating window. Um, know that if you want to get to the point where you never have to worry about this and the blood tests and the, the medications and the costs and those types of things, and you yeah. want to decrease your chance of heart disease, then working your way up to a 72 hour fast is extremely powerful. Yeah, it is. And, um, you know, one way to do that is just, just get started. If you've never done a fast, jump in, download the fast start right. guide, set your timer and, you know, just, just work to keep increasing that one or two hours every single day. Um, you'll, you'll get there. It, it gets easier. You know, um, no one said it was, it was super easy the first time you do it. Right. Yeah, right, right. For sure. And if you're a little bit farther advanced and you've been fasting and you feel like you might still have some insulin resistance, you can also go to the website, thefastingforlife.com, download the insulin resistance assessment, have the conversation with your medical team, your medical providers. If the doc is not willing, then we're going to encourage you to find somebody that is willing to help to get you that fasted insulin or that insulin assay test. It's going to mm -hmm. give you some good metrics on where you are on this spectrum. And the intentionality of the heaviness of this conversation, Tommy, was to be encouraging that you have everything you need to be able to control and take back control of your health. Yeah. And it's going to feel like you're swimming upstream. So um, use the assessments, reach out to us, continue to listen to the podcast, let us know how we can help. And I'm just excited because we continue to kind of go layers deeper, you know, over the last, uh, you know, 18 months now and are rapidly approaching two years of, really trying to help as many people as we can adopt a fasting and insulin friendly lifestyle. Yeah. And we've seen some incredible stories and um, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep seeing more and more of those. And uh, it's yep. just, it, it's really cool. I love the power in, in the method. And, and sometimes it just takes hearing one or two more of those stories coming from that kind of angle to go, yeah, you know what? I, I think there is something possible here and, and uh, maybe it's, it's time for me to give it a shot. Yep. You guys know what to do. Tommy, as always, sir, thank you so much for the conversation, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye. So, you've heard today's episode, and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter, where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.